Hello and welcome back to Frank Friar Fridays. This is Father Patrick Bykowskis broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Illinois. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm such a creature of Illinois and I'm talking a lot about Illinois today. Of course, St. Louis is in Missouri. I knew that. Uh, yesterday, on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, we recognize in the Catholic Church that day as the World Day of the Sick. And I think that goes back almost 20 years to the pontificate of Pope John Paul II. And I'm going to begin this, the episode today with a, a short prayer remembering those of us in our families and communities who are suffering from any sorts of illnesses, whether they be of the body, the mind, or the spirit. So let us pray. God of compassion, be with us this day and all days. Open our hearts to the physical, emotional, and spiritual pain of those who are ill. Please make us be aware of their concerns and needs and their uh, caregivers as well and help us acknowledge our own needs. Let us all feel surrounded by your love and care. God of all, hear our prayer. Amen. So I left off with my move to Springfield in 1993 and I have to be candid. I. I wasn't looking forward to it in many respects. I had to travel. When I worked for the state of Illinois in the Washington office, I would travel to Illinois regularly, meaning once a month or more, probably at least once a month. Most of the time Chicago, but also fairly regularly to Springfield. And I must say I didn't have a a real good sense of Springfield. I, I would, if I had a meeting in Springfield and it went late, I would either fly up to Chicago. There was no direct flights, of course, from Springfield to, to Washington, D.C., so I either had to go through St. Louis or go through Chicago. And so what I would typically do to avoid staying the night in Springfield, I would fly up to Chicago or I'd fly down to, to St. Louis and spend the night there and then go home the next day. If I could at all, I would try to, to fly in and out on one day, but that was often very difficult to do. It was very easy to fly into Chicago and get out quickly, but I ended up there, and I was, uh, I guess, not that I was, was dreading it. I just thought, well, I'll do it for a year or two. And I could do anything for a year or two. And a, a dear friend from college, Tony Coletti, had been working in Springfield and was transitioning to Chicago. And he had a very lovely little house in the nicest section of town. And I rented that from him when I moved there in uh, early 1993. And my work was was fine. It was challenging, as I might have mentioned I was I thought getting I mean 
considering I don't remember what I was getting paid, but they paid me exactly the same as what I was getting in Washington, D.C. And they, the, the powers that be there seemed to be a bit apologetic about it, you know, and, and sort of demanding to it. I said, like, listen, we cannot pay you more than what you're getting already. Well, my goodness, the cost of living in Springfield was far different from what it was in Washington, D.C. So I was, I was kind of flush at that point and had this very nice house and it was not very expensive so I was doing I was doing pretty well and the, the job was fine I so we I w- it's called in in Illinois as the legislative liaison and so I, I kind of the, like the lobbyist for the the state I was working for the Illinois Department of Mental Health and Developmental Disabilities by personnel the largest state agency it was a pretty responsible position we would carry the legislative proposals of the governor and also work with legislators if they had uh, legislative initiatives that dealt in those areas. So I had a great staff and I interacted a a great deal with uh, the, the members of the House and the Senate. And the, uh, Republicans though, I think were in the minority in both places. Um, uh, Mike Madigan, of course, was the Speaker of the House. <laughs> he he had been Speaker of the House. You know, he just had to step down recently because of some scandal. And uh, my goodness, even then, he had been long-term Speaker of the House. So it it was fine. I it, it kept me busy. The the hours, uh, for the most part, were fairly regular. But I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone at all when I moved to Springfield. The people that I had gotten to know when I had worked for Governor Thompson were all Chicago people based, really, because T- Thompson never really wanted to live in Springfield either. He he did, but he was only there really during session. Most of the time he would prefer to live in Chicago. He was very much a Chicago guy. So the people that were working for him when I was working for him in the state of Illinois office, they were in Chicago. So even though I had become friends, very close friends with a couple of them, they weren't in Springfield at all. So it was a, it was a challenging transition. The, it was made easier because I, I did get into the uh, program of recovery there uh, at AA meetings, and those people became my friends, and, and uh, a couple of them are still very, very close, one in particular, very close friend still uh, from those early days in in Springfield and I also began something that ended up being very instrumental in my life and that is I I early on there uh, there's a couple Italian American couple my parents age Faye and Spin Kiola and I got to know them and their daughter. They lived quite close to me and her husband. And their son uh, was and is a priest, Father Richard Keola. And somehow he found out about me and from his parents. And I got to be friends with him and I'm still friends with him. And he'll keep he'll be popping up from time to time in that in this podcast. His church, Blessed Sacrament, was right on the way to my office. And I started, because of my 
friendship with him, I started going to daily mass, something I had never done. And it was a life-changing experience for me. I, I loved his preaching. He would give these, we call them fervorinos, just these really incredible messages, a little short message every day, and it really fed me. When I was when I was in Washington D.C., I came to know a great many people that were living and dying of AIDS. And when I got to Springfield, I I noticed that because of the community, maybe it was a little bit on the conservative side, there was really nothing being done for people living with AIDS. And I was distressed about that. And so I started thinking about what I could do, and there was no uh, support uh, either, you know, sort of like volunteer organizations. Um, and so I, I, uh, I knew, a, I, I got to know a religious sister through Father Keola who was trying to put some things together, but there wasn't much funding. So I decided I was going to start an AIDS walk to raise money and to raise awareness. They, the AIDS walks were just starting to come in fashion, if that's the correct word. But I thought that, that we could do it in a, a small city like that, and we needed to do it. And so with, with no knowledge or, or background on, on how to do something like that, I just started putting it together and asking for volunteers. And Richard Keola, uh, Father Keola, put me in contact with some people, and, it's, and it started to grow, and I pulled in some people from work. And I remember meeting with the, the mayor of Springfield at the time. His name was Ozzie Longfelder. I think his, his son is the, the current mayor. And he um, agreed to meet with me. And he was very discouraging and off-putting. He said, you don't know this, even though I'm from Illinois, you don't know this area. And you don't know how people will respond, and I can tell you this thing. You know, he said he was sort of grateful for me to do it, but he said, "You're not going to have any success. We, you're not going to pull off something like that." And I said, "Well, I think I'm going to try anyway." And it was in May of, uh, so I think it must have been 1994. I I, I got there in '93. Yeah, it was 1994. That was the first one, and. It was an extraordinary success. I wish I have the picture. I wish I could show it to you. There was a picture on the front page of the Springfield paper the day after it was on. We had it on a Sunday. We had over a thousand people, and there's this beautiful picture that the the newspaper took that shows this long line of people going through the park, and then we went out onto the streets and. It was a it was a celebration in in a lot of ways, and I remember Congressman Congressman at the time Dick Durbin coming, and I my it was the first time I met him, and it was it we had all kinds of of food and booths and music, and it was it was something that really brought the community together in an extraordinary way, and I think we raised fifty or sixty thousand dollars. I know that we raised enough to create a house and to create an organization. To create a house, meaning we bought a house for, for people living with AIDS, and we were able to staff it and 
do some really amazing things very quickly. And I was, I was, I think I was a little bit surprised myself. It continued for at least 10 years, even when some other cities had uh, seen a, a, a drop in support for AIDS walks. That walk continued after I had eventually left Springfield. So maybe because of that success with the AIDS walk, it emboldened me to do something the following year. Uh, Paul Simon, the United States Senator from Illinois, decided to retire. And Dick Durbin, our local congressman in Springfield, decided that he would give up his House seat and run for the United States Senate. So this is 1995. And I had enough experience in Washington, D.C. to know that seats don't become open. In fact, only about three, four, five percent of seats in a, in a typical biennial election for the United States House of Representatives are open. And it's very, very difficult to beat an incumbent. And I, like a lot of other smart aleck House staff members, would often look at our bosses. <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound like too arrogant, but we would we would look at some of these congressmen and say, "Hey, boy, if this guy could do this, I can." And I, you know, I, as I mentioned previously, I had the highest respect for Congressman George O'Brien, but I also could see what was called, uh, you know, what was necessary to 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 be a congressman. And I said. Listen, there's an open seat. This is my chance. Now, did it matter to me that I'd only been living in Springfield for a couple years? No. It mattered to other people, I could tell you that. I was going to run as a Republican in the Republican primary, and I started going to the regular Sangamon County Republican meetings. I think they were on, I think they were on a weekly basis. I remember it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday morning I started going. And I remember the chairman at the time, Boyd, he did not like me. I'm like, he's like, who is this guy think he is coming here and running for a, um, the United States uh, House of Representatives to be our congressman? I don't know what I was doing either, but it was, it was I'm, I'm glad I did it. I, I, I'm not going to say I was glad I did it when I got crushed in the primary, but in Illinois, the primary season is a long one, and I, I ran almost all all through 1995, and in the, the primary itself was in 1996, and I was working. I wasn't, I wasn't, and I'm not necessarily. I'm not now wealthy, and so I had to continue my my employment full time, and I couldn't uh, run, of course, during. The, uh, my work hours, so everything had to be done at night and on the weekends. So every night and every weekend for months on end, I was out campaigning. There's 21 counties in the 20th district, at least, or were then in the 20th district, congressional district in Illinois, and I was going to all these county meetings and county fairs and parades and meeting with editorial boards trying to get uh, endorsements and trying to raise money. It was the very beginning of the internet and I remember having a dial-up connection that would take forever to get information and do research. Well, 
I got crushed, and and yet I I I as I said, I'm not sorry that I did it, but I thought I'm never going to do this again. Well, what do I do? <laughs> I decide a year later to run for the city council. Uh, and it was actually more fun because it was just in five precincts. I wanted to throw in that right around this time, there was this young African-American, uh, very sort of a hotshot guy on the South Side. He had run for Congress. I think it was Mel Reynolds' seat on the South Side of Chicago. And he lost. And then he ran for the state Senate and won. And my job was to meet with all the members, and especially the new members, just to sort of show our face and tell them about the agency, see if they had any questions, if they needed any help with anything. And so one of them was this young state senator from Southside Chicago, Barack Obama. Typically, these meetings were very perfunctory, you know, sort of in and out. You'd give them your business card. They say, yeah, 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 I'll call. Don't call me. I'll call you. And, uh, and this is them saying that to me. And uh, if I need anything, I'll let you know. But this this young this young black state senator boy, he, he I introduced myself. He says, yes, I have a lot of questions. And we sat down for an hour. And I was so impressed by this young guy that he had such insightful questions. I remember very clearly going back to my office and saying, you know, this Barack Obama, he is not going to be long for Springfield. He's, he's a really sharp man, and I think he's destined for bigger things. So I was something, something of a prophetic voice there. And... I then, as I said, ran for city council. I had lived in, I, I had got, moved out of the house that I'd rented from Tony Coletti, and then I moved downtown, had a great little apartment right in downtown Springfield. Right now, it's, it would be a block away from the museum. The museum wasn't built then, of course, the Lincoln Museum, that is. And then I bought a house up by Ursuline Academy, directly across the street from Ursuline. And that was the district I was running from. And... You know, I really enjoyed it. I, re I really enjoyed meeting people face to face because that's what it took for a city council race. And I had decided I was going to knock on every single door. And there was like, I used to know this by heart, it was like 2,148 or something like that. And I set out a program to, did the math, figured out how many doors I'd have to knock on every night in order to meet everyone in that in that uh, council district. And I had a lot of volunteers this time. When I was running for Congress, I didn't have a lot of volunteers just because of the, the uh, distances. Somebody would have to travel with me and when I was doing those things. So I had a handful of volunteers. I had a, a, a pretty large group. And it was a lot of these people that I had met through the AIDS walk. And I had come to be... <laughs> Something now. This is I'm really. This is very tongue in cheek. I, so it was sort of like a big fish in a little little pond, and I ended up growing to to be very fond of Springfield. It it did a lot for me in my own personal growth and certainly in my spiritual growth. That's I continued to go to daily mass my entire time in Springfield. I ended up living there 
for uh, just over five years. And it was uh, all good. Uh, I mean, there, I had, there was some challenges. The, I, I lost the city council race as well, but I had made a real turnaround with the Republican Party. The chairman, when I lost that city council race, uh, the chairman of the Sangamon County Republican Party, he called me the day after I lost. I was feeling a little bit bruised, you know. And he said, listen, you have nothing to be ashamed of, and if you choose to run again, you're going to have my backing, which was really extraordinary considering two or three years before. I don't think he could really stand to be in the same room with me. And then uh, he changed. And, you know, it's something. When I remember my Mass of Thanksgiving after I'd been ordained a priest, I did one of these Mass of Thanksgiving in Springfield. And uh, three of my opponents from those races were at that Mass. How very touched I was. That's sort of people that I think, for the most part, you'll find in uh, Illinois, central Illinois, you know, I don't want to generalize, but, it, you know, they're, they're, they're just real salt-of-the-earth people, at least the people I ran against. I'm still, I would say, a friend of John Shimkus, who won the congressional race, just retired this year from that uh, that uh, post. I think he must, so he must have been on, been there 20 years. Anyway, when I lost the city council race, I decided, you know what, this sounds, this may sound very weird to people. <laughs> I said, I'm going to get away from politics and move to Chicago. And, and actually, Springfield is such a company town that it's all about politics. If you work for the governor and you're, you're at all involved in politics, you're expected to go to all these events and funerals, and I needed to get away from it all. So I designed my position in such a way that I could move to Chicago and still, it was still a very political position, but at least I would be in a place where I didn't have to be engaged in this day-to-day -day sort of uh, political activity that I, I had to be in when I was in Springfield. So in uh, uh, early 1999, I guess it was, I moved rented out my house in Springfield thinking I would come back and I moved up to Chicago and that's where we'll take up next time thank you all for being with me and I'll, I'll pray for you let's pray for each other God bless you